0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
1: All right, you guys ready to hear the tweet of the day? Yes. From uh, Addison EC Smith on Twitter. If Nino Niederreiter married Nick Benino, his name would have been Nino Benino this this is factual
0: those are the things i need to hear in this dark and bleak world what are we even going to do for the next hour that's going to top that um i can tell you a story about how i almost had to throw hands at the golf course today
1: oh i want to hear that
0: so five o'clock tea time you know twilight so all the creatures come out from the bush to play um in front of us there's a twosome and a cart just like an older couple front of them is a walking foursome, and then in front of them is a carting foursome. So, tee sheet's jammed. Behind us is a group of four in three carts. So, anyway, we play the first hole, par four, whatever. Second hole, par three, whatever. Uh, Fourth hole is par four. um, Waiting for, like, the lineup's already begun. So, I hit my tee shot. Another buddy hits his tee shot. Another buddy hits his. Last guy hits his in the water, so he has to re-tee. Group behind us is now like starting to pull up, which is fine. And the one guy literally just gets out of his car and is like, how many balls are we going to hit uh, Hit here, guys? And <laughs> I, I just turned around, turned around. He was shorter than Brad. So, you know, he, was taking, he had to get to the <laughs> ring to Mordor. Um, I turn around. And I was like, are you serious? Like, that's all he said was, how many balls are we going to hit here, guys? He's mid 20s. <laughs> And I, I was like, he's like, the group in front of you is already off the green. I was like, yeah. And they're going to be sitting on that tee block for 20 minutes while the group in front of them is still teeing off. And I was like, if you got a problem with that, I was like, why don't you go call the clubhouse to get a marshal out here and we can talk about it. And he goes, oh, the two guys I'm playing with are marshals here. And I was like, well, then they should know better. I was like, why don't you shut the fuck up?
1: Ooh, ooh, golf
0: burn yeah i dude i was so mad i was (laughs) i was about ready to just grab my fucking seven iron and just go ham
1: i was i've never seen evan so heated before dude
0: i was so pissed and i was just like oh good times good times out at conestoga golf course (laughs) Can, can
1: you imagine walking up to a local like on a local golf course and complaining about
0: having to re- tee saw my buddy hit his tee shot in the water so he has to re-tee the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, how many balls are you going to hit? I should have just fucking like I'm going to hit another one. I would have put off one I would have
1: put off the tee blocks. 100% I would have put off the tee I'm blocks. going grab
0: the old sand wedge and hit it about 100 yards. I'm going to play that way the rest of the round man oh man oh, i'm getting fired up all th- just thinking about it again i'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight because i'm gonna start thinking about it but my buddies are loving it they're like dude you just like like you had no fear
1: you guys like do- i have no you-
0: time for people like that <laughs>
1: You don't know this, Evan, but that was actually Brad and I, we paid an actor to go do that just to rile you up before the episode to you get guys you a little some, bit
0: more lively. <laughs> you guys got some good content out there ready for the Patreon exclusive videos. Oh, man. Yeah, That's hysterical. Talk. Yeah. So my day's been good. <laughs> uh, Brad, I'm scared to ask you.
2: Um, I'll just say today's been Murphy's Law and leave
1: it at that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> all right uh well i'm uh i won't nothing's happened to me i don't know i'm fine i'm sorry guys maybe I actually, i'll go st- i'll stub my toe later in solidarity uh welcome to the winged wheel podcast uh though we do talk about hockey it is nice to know that uh evan does still live and breathe as a human being i haven't actually seen anger from evan in a long time so that oh, was
0: <laughs> nothing gets me more mad other than that and someone tailgating me when i'm already going like 20 over the speed limit
1: The closest I've been to angering Evan uh, is when we happened to play in the same like work softball league. Like I played with my colleagues and he played with his and uh, he just couldn't get the ball past me. I was playing first base and I was just like an auto glove out there. He could not at all hit past me.
0: Remember the time I played for your team and I thought I jacked a homer and I just stood there (laughs) and then the guy just got it. It wasn't even close. (laughs) You did a lot of hot dogging, yeah. Oh, I love it.
1: Anyways, this is a Detroit Red Wings podcast, or at least we do our best to be. I'm Ryan Hanna.
0: I'm so very, very tired. And I'm Bubble Boy Evan um
1: on this episode of the podcast we of course do have more to talk about uh about the real nhl playoffs uh developments in that some things to do with the department of player safety just a review as to what series are still going and which ones have ended unfortunately um we'll be talking uh, a little bit about the red wings here and there you know and then um NHL draft content. So we'll be talking about um, our prospect profile this week. Of course, last episode was Jamie Drysdale and everyone was, um, had a, a lot to say about that one. Good, bad, or otherwise I just redirected all of the hate towards um, Evan dot at windwheel Just kidding. We don't actually have our own email server set up yet, but maybe someday, I don't know. Um, and then overtime, I don't know. Midweek episode. We'll get wild with it. Um, when we have fulfilled our requisite, um, not, hockey sports talk, so Brad, you and I are out for this episode. We can't talk about it unless it's relevant to Detroit sports at all, which let me open. Tonight was the NBA draft lottery, and uh, believe it or not, the Pistons had no luck, and we'll be drafting seventh overall. Shocking. Is there a hex that's been put on the city of Detroit that we need to lift? Is some kind of sacrifice... Do we need to offer Evan to the sports gods? I'll do it. He would. Evan would find it as a sweet escape. I don't know where where if you where you're going to go if we do that it'll be um yeah, sunshine and early tea times for you though. Uh yeah, so the the uh, sport world of Detroit sports continues to be a little bit hopeless, but um not awful for the Tigers except they lost their Series against the White Sox. I don't know. Anyways,
0: uh, the yeah, pitcher looked real good. That new one, the one yeah. Crafted, yeah. Good. Uh, Casey Mize, Mize, Mize. Who knows? I always Casey Mize, things. right? Not Mize. It's probably
1: Mize. No, it's um, it's Casey Mize. Um, the yeah, he had a good outing. He had a really good outing. The it was a good first like showing for him, and it just offered this like glimmer of hope for Detroit sports fans that we get so rarely. It's it kind of reminded you of when Zadina scored uh, his first goal of the season this year. Um, and it would have been the feeling we would have had if Sider took the ice this year. But, of course, that wasn't to be. Uh, but for now, the Stanley Cup playoffs, um, it's, no, it's slowing down now. We no longer have like 11 games a day starting at noon. And I'm super sad about it.
2: Yeah, it's made my work day a lot longer because, you know. I don't get to watch hockey all day. There wasn't even a single game on today at the entirety of my my work day, which was the first since this the whole plan thing started, so I had to watch reruns from last night, which eh, there were some good games last night, so it wasn't the worst thing in the world.
1: Yeah, the first game
0: today started at what, 8? 30, I think. 8 or 8.30? Yeah, I think it was 8. Yeah, that's... The first period was ending just before uh, we started recording.
1: That's rough when the second game is like halfway through the second period usually by the end of my work day. It's um kind of tougher to get through the actual work part of it. Yes. The um today today's games though, I'm trying to remember, is it the Islanders playing right now? Yes, yes. the I'm Islanders sure. are up to nothing on the Capitals as we speak in the second period and the stars and the flames are playing later tonight. So um, just as a quick update across the NHL, uh, Vegas took the series over Chicago. Colorado took the series over Arizona. Both of those were four, one in five games. Um, Tampa Bay ended up winning in the same amount of games against Columbus and Boston, similarly against Carolina. And so still active, we have uh, Dallas with a three, two lead over Calgary. St. Vancouver with a 3-2 lead over St. Louis, um, Philly with a 3-2 lead over Montreal and the Islanders with a 3-1 lead over the Caps. Uh, so a lot of st- good hockey still to be played and um, in my mind, kind of uh, a couple surprising 3 or 4-1 victories. Um, I would say I'm pretty surprised by Boston over Carolina in 5. I, I was expecting, well, I had predicted Carolina to win, so obviously I was just outright wrong about that, but I was expecting that to at least go a little bit further.
0: I think For- they, um, um, they really missed Svechnikov after he got hurt, and was Brett pesci out the entire series? Yeah, uh, those are two very key injuries, and Svechnikov was an absolute horse in the not playoffs, but are actually playoffs playoffs. And Boston, like. They're vets at this, right? Like They've gone through the ringer, and this is just a good learning experience for Carolina. Um, So it was a a bit of a disappointment, but I don't think there's there's anything for them to be upset about.
2: For all the hype and talking we did about, well, not just us, everybody did about how unique the circumstances were, how chaotic these playoffs would be and the play-ins would be, and then, of course, the first round of the playoffs would be. The first round has sucked so far. Like, there's been a couple series that have been interesting, but literally half the series ended in five games. Like, this series, some of the series that we thought would be amazing have sucked. And you said Boston and Carolina was going to be great, and I thought that would maybe be the most entertaining series of the bunch. Nope, Carolina bows out in five. Um, you know, w- Washington Islanders looks like if the score holds up as it is now, that would have been. Fun, except the Islanders are just taking it to them. Colorado absolutely manhandled Arizona. If Darcy Kemper didn't steal that game, the Colorado might have took that series in three. I mean, it's it's not been bad hockey. Like the the Columbus Tampa series was great for five games. I'll give it that. Like every game was good. Um, and thank God Montreal and Philly finally
0: gave us some hate.
2: Yeah, there's some.
0: There is some bad blood now, figuratively and oh. uh, metaphorically.
2: It's the one series giving us like really good content because we have dirty crap happening on the ice, a reasonably close series, and coaches saying
1: insanely stupid garbage. It's this is the series we needed. Yeah, you need that kind of blood to be boiling and also <laughs> spilled on the ice, I guess, to have this kind of excitement. And Brad, your point's right. Like, obviously, this wasn't an absolutely thrilling rounds so far. Not in terms of the quality of the hockey played, but just in like the overarching storylines and how it's playing out. Anytime a series ends in 5 and you're a neutral observer and it's has the potential to be like a great series, you're a little bit sad. You want it to go to 6 or 7. Um but the it's also kind of hampered by the fact that it's following an absolute wild play-in round, so no matter what the series was going to turn out to be, it was never going to look great in comparison.
2: Was the plan round that wild though? One series went the diff. One series went the distance.
1: It doesn't one. matter. I don't think it matters the distance when it's a five game series. I think it matters the outcomes. Oh, like, it that happens. was the crazy part. It was it was chaotic in the outcomes, which was nice
2: um, to see some upsets to get some storylines. But I mean, outside of Montreal, the quote unquote upsets of the first round got destroyed in the first round of the playoffs. Like, Arizona very clearly didn't belong. Chicago very clearly didn't belong. Uh, Montreal's yeah. treading water right now. I mean, they just uh, saved off an elimination last game, and so now they're only down 3-2, and they've been keeping Philly off the scoreboard. They just couldn't score themselves. Um, I mean, the, the petty side of me, which, don't get me wrong, is a very big side of me, is happy to see these these teams that should have never been there in the first place just getting wiped because it's like well NHL what did you expect? Yeah, you get hot for a week and then you remember actual hockey needs to be played and and, you get, and these crappy teams get dusted. Um for like I said for the NHL's sake, at least Montreal's treading water. Um <laughs> and it's about to get a whole lot more interesting next game. Um but them losing Gallagher is going to be a huge hindrance on them. But broken jaw, broken jaw, and and Alain Vigneault. Ah, he's fine. It was a hockey play. Oh my God! How is is there a coach? Okay, I'm not. I'm not talking about an actual hockey mind here. But is there a dumber coach than Alan Vigneault right now?
0: Oh, I mean, well. Paul Maurice said that almost the same thing about Matthew Kachuk.
2: Okay, hold, but here's the thing. Vigneault has a, a twofer in this first round. A, the, oh, he's fine, it was a hockey play, and then it gets revealed a day later that he's got a broken jaw is easily worse than what Maurice said, because at the time, like, with Maurice's thing, there was varying opinions. Most people sided against him, but whatever. At least there were some people backing him. But let's not forget, Alan Vigneault is also the guy... Who got mad because Montreal put their top power play unit on the ice while up five nothing. Like, grow up, dude. And you're gonna complain about a power play because you sucked that night? And then you're oh Yeah, what? maybe
0: if this was um bantam hockey, I would uh yeah. be okay with that. Or if there was they played with an imaginary puck and everyone got awards at the end of the game. This is this is this is the the real deal. These are the these are big boys. Yeah. They got to wear their big boy pants. And when uh, you lose, you lose. Like <laughs> three three things about the
2: the whole power play thing. One, this is a pandemic. Fans can't watch the game live. We're cr- we're starving for any hockey content we can. We really don't want the game to be over with twenty minutes left. So I appreciate Montreal keeping us entertained. Two, if you think that stats don't matter for these guys because it's a team sport, you're wrong. This is how guys get extra uh, figures added to their contracts every year. So if I pick someone like Shea Weber, well, he's his contract's never-ending. So let's say Jeff Petrie, who's a UFA soon, pops a power play goal in the playoffs. Yeah, he does that enough times. It's going to look a little better on his next contract. And three, if you don't want him to do it, don't suck. Like, this is almost as dumb as the whole Fernando Tatis thing in the MLB. Like, Jesus I hate, I hate professional whiners so much.
0: Isn't that what we are, though? Yeah, 100% <laughs> that's what we are.
2: No, we are complainers. There's a difference. Get it know, right.
1: Man. My certificate says whiner on it. Uh, whatever, it but we're sure not
2: professional. Is. <laughs> this is
1: absolutely amateur hour over here be in the offseason yeah absolutely it is i for you guys who are thinking are they referencing this whole baseball thing that's going on yeah we 100 percent are as much as we give hockey and you know the hockey universe and the hockey infrastructure hell for getting in its own way and just being old and grumpy and afraid of being like fun uh it's never as bad as baseball major league baseball is just obsessed with being crusty and stupid, and their unwritten rules. Man, screw your unwritten rules. I hope he. I hope. I honestly hope a team is up fifty nothing, and Jacks a grand slam against the Texas Rangers this year. Although, wouldn't they like four straight nights, three or four straight nights of grand slams after that?
2: The range. It's always the Texas Rangers. They are the worst.
1: Hey, Texas. Texas baseball teams are not in a good place in terms of public opinion right now.
2: Great. They deserve every bit of it. But oh. <laughs> tatis stealing third the next game Mm. yes
1: Um, my veins no i i love the good i love the good hockey i love the banter i'm not too bothered by what vigno said because i think there's a little bit more gamesmanship there like it's it was a a uh guy
0: right like it's in his best interest to defend his guy regardless of what he truly thinks just like maurice did
1: yeah like are you wrong brad no absolutely not uh, it is a and,
0: homer take, like, what he said for sure. Not Brad, yeah. but what Vigneault said. But, yeah, totally get it.
1: Uh, the fans and the other team should just ignore it. Like, that's just the, the simple matter of it. He would have done the same thing. You don't left your foot off the gas for any reason at all, except to, like, stop your pros from getting injured.
2: Here's the thing, though, that drives me nuts about what Vigneault said with the Niskan and Gallagher incident. You can say it's a hockey play. I mean, obviously, we disagree with that. Oh, oh I was talking about the power play thing. I wasn't oh, talking oh, yeah. about the hockey play. Thing. No, no, no. I'm going to the the thing because this is where Vino lost credibility with me. Like, he can, you can be a whiner all you want. Like, literally, that's what I do 90% of my day. It's fine. But when he said it was a hockey play, but he said he he basically diagnosed Gallagher. Oh, he's probably fine or whatever he said. Are you stupid? Hey, you don't know what's going on. He had, he was bleeding profusely. You can't say he was fine. And then if he turns out, he's not fine. You look like the biggest donkey on the planet. And for Vino's PR, it was the worst case scenario. Cause Gallagher had a broken jaw. Do you know how hard it is to break your jaw? How hard you have to get hit? Like that is just such a, It's why I don't give anybody advice on anything, because I'm I'm not smart enough to give anybody advice on anything. So I'm not going to play doctor. I'm not going to play politician. I'm not going to play any of this crap. Why should you, as a hockey coach, play doctor?
1: Don't you give Evan and I advice off air, like constantly? No, I brace you for the horrors of life that lay ahead. (laughs) I don't tell tell you how to
0: handle it. I just tell you what's coming. I'm not a doctor. I just play one on a podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is the first, like brad skipped like the whole honeymoon years of having kids and went instantly from like age 30 to age 40 in terms of raising his kids
2: it, w- it happened with the second kid one kid cakewalk
1: it really did because mika you would not accept that you were at least a little tired which you definitely were physically but you just wouldn't accept it and then hank came and just like it sucked the life out of you see because here- here's what i've noticed
2: with mika you got breaks for as active and hyper as she is when you have one kid They go down for a nap or they're playing with their iPad in the corner. They're playing by themselves on the toy. You know what you can do? You can sit your ass on the couch and do nothing. Do you know what happens when you have two kids? One of them always needs something. One of them always is keeping your attention. So you get no free time. Anybody who has north of two kids to me is clinically insane. And I
1: applaud you because I have no
2: idea how you do it.
1: All right, Brad, take your bet. Who has kids first, Evan or myself?
2: Uh, I'll go with Evan
0: based surely on age. Thank you. That's that. a smart, reasonable, but yeah, definitely not, uh, in the near future. <laughs> <I'll>
2: <laughs> but, um, anyway, so, so circling back to Vino though. Now I already t- said how stupid it is that he wanted to play doctor. Now let's talk about why he's stupid. We're calling it a hockey play too. So, The one defense I've seen in Niskanen's favor is that he didn't mean to cross-check him in the face that hard because Gallagher turned. I'll give you that. I mean, I still think he had a bit of time to lay up, but it's a quick game. Everything looks worse in slow motion. I'll give Niskanen the full benefit of the doubt that he didn't mean to cross-check Gallagher in the face. What he meant to do was cross-check him from behind two feet from the boards, which isn't much better, Matt.
0: I think the one real incriminating piece is the similarity it had to his, we'll say, quote unquote, collision with Sidney Crosby. It was not the same, of course, but it was still a high cross check into the neck head area. And I don't think the Crosby one was nearly as malicious, but you can definitely draw some similarities to it.
2: The best, the best defense you could make give Niskanen between the two is his air quotations defense mechanism is to get his stick up and project it. <laughs> like Cause that's what he did with Crosby. This wasn't that though. Cause you see, I'm not going to get into my whole rant about how cross checking is a penalty in hockey, but is literally never called is that you can guide a guy with your stick, with your hands in the cross checking position, but you're not propelling it into him. You're just kind of guiding him, giving him a nudge, keeping distance, whatever you want. Niskanen full thrust of his arms and shoulders as hard as he possibly could from the looks of it into Gallagher here. This was malicious to the bone. And even if Gallagher didn't turn, this wasn't going to end well for him. There is no defending this. This should be a lengthy
0: suspension in my books, but because it's the
2: NHL, he only got one game.
0: I'm uh, watching it right now and I'm not even sure it, slow motion is worse because Real speed is just as bad. So um, the part
1: that gets me is, is Kot Kinyemi was given five in a game for uh, a hit from behind. And now I, I also want to talk about that hit. But it doesn't matter what your opinion is, is on the hit, whether you think it should have been a five in a game or just a boarding. You could say giving it five in a game, I think it's a fair assessment to say that's a strong call. Like That is a pretty heavy punishment considering what he did like there's definitely an argument to be made that it wasn't worth five in a game and to see what niskanen got isn't
0: it because it was contact to the head and it's automatic major i well the refs reviewed it so this is where i didn't actually see it but i thought that's what the rule was
2: yeah so the r- the refs can call a major and when they call a major they can re- review it and reduce it so we'll probably actually see this a lot more where there'll be like a borderline play and they'll just go straight to majors so they can review it and knock it down to a two minute if they want i mean i agree with what Kot kenyemi did he left his feet player it was to the player's back you and he- agreed with what he did you agree with headshots oh, yes, absolutely. Brat. i agree with the punishment he got
0: what a goon! <laughs> g- he
2: propelled himself into Sandheim's head from behind. Sandheim was turning, obviously, but I don't even care about that. He was a foot away from the boards and he launched himself into his head. That should be a game misconduct 10 out of 10 times. Anybody who's arguing it is wrong. If you're making the argument of it's not called every time and that made it garbage, I agree with you, but that doesn't make this one wrong. It makes all the other times it's not called
0: wrong. Yeah, I just saw that hit. It's it's bad. It's uh, it's right in the numbers, and uh, uh, he just painted him against okay, the board.
1: Thank you, because I thought it was going nuts because every single comment, message, post, you know, uh, smoke signal carrier pigeon that I saw said that was a bad call. Like that should have been a boarding. That's called boarding almost every other time, and all I could think was. Look, I get that I have some, like, playful, like, oh, Zadina's better than me bias here, but that's not at all what's coming to play. I think that that was a good five-in-a-game call.
0: It was. There's certainly a few elements that added to the recipe of disaster. Doesn't help that Sanheim's a left-handed d- defenseman and he shoots the puck in, so he's naturally turning away from the ice and towards the boards. But the onus is still on Kotkinami to not, yeah. you know, paint him like that. And I get that it's playoff hockey and you finish your checks, but that's a guy in a super vulnerable position. And you don't have to paint him like that. You can just kind of rub him out and, and you know, still eliminate him from the play, but <laughs> not eliminate him from the ice surface. Or just cross-check him in the face and break his jaw. Exactly. Like, then man, he only got he one game. And who cares? He...
2: It, it, was, it was the upwards project. He launched himself. That's not a hit. That's a charge. Like that's the definition of the jumping motion. Like, and you can freeze frame where his feet on or off the ice at the moment of impact. It doesn't matter. He was launching. That should be a game. And um, that should be a game every time. Again, I will absolutely agree with the argument that the precedent the NHL has set over however long means that's not a game misconduct. You're right. It hasn't been. And I'm, I'm agreeing with your consistency point, but this was not wrong. If this is the first one they get right and this is the new precedent, I'm happy. It's the same thing with the Atkinson Headman um non call in the five overtime game in Tampa objectively should Hedman have got a penalty on that breakaway? No, it was the right call to not call it. But based on the fact that in the second period, Seth Jones did the exact same thing and did get a penalty for it. It's a consistency issue. Almost everything with NHL reffing comes down to consistency because nobody to this day knows what is and isn't a penalty. It's a fast game. It's a hard job. I get it. But how the hell are we still having these arguments
0: in the playoffs Evan, how
1: long until he spins this into an anti-offside
0: review? Well, I'll just give it another thirty seconds. <laughs> well, now it's not going to happen. It's all your fault. At least there's consistency with those. But anyway, yeah, you're right, Brad. Like it all comes down to the inconsistency of the refing, and that isn't just a bad element for the game. Like they put the department of player, the department of player safety, should be that overarching defense mechanism for the players but it's not so now the blame falls on them and the refs
1: yeah the refs the, the nature of refereeing and hockey because there's no automation to it there's and i'm not calling for robo refs or skycam. although i would love skycam, i'm not like advocating for that openly the nature of refereeing and hockey is going to make it unpredictable and to a baseline degree that you will never be able to shake unreliable and like evan just said that's what the department of player safety is supposed to correct against there's a certain, like, allowance in there where, like, yeah, this call was called the wrong way on the ice, but it's not, like, an earth-shatteringly terrible call. But for the big ones, the the uh, the DOPS is supposed to step in and say, hey, 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 no, 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 that one is supposed to be fixed. Here, we fixed it. Bam. The world is is sane again. But they're just, like, they have the same amount of unpredictability. And unreliability in my mind is the referee. So what's the point? Let's just take what the... Re- let's let's have the refs on the ice decide what the suspension is right then and there.
0: It should okay. just be black and white. You know, I'm okay with gray area in the NHL because uh, for the refs because it is so fast. And they see things differently than we do at home. But the Department of Player Safety has got every single angle. And they've got infinite amount of time to come up with a judgment. And the fact that it's so inconsistent... Is really bad. The thing that makes me the most angry about referees is when they make bad call or when
1: they make calls against the team that I want to win, and then when they oh, don't they make calls, oh, like how dare they?
0: Yeah, yes, it's it's an absolute sin. You know, we don't have to worry about bad calls in the playoffs right now. Thankfully, it's we'll a, be there one day, and you know, uh, remember this moment: twenty nine fifty seven <laughs> of episode, whatever number, August twentieth.
1: I forget what it's like. My heartbeat watching sports the other day, and it wasn't hockey for like you know someone that I wanted to win or do well. And I was like, "Holy shit, that barely ever happens anymore." I remember when I could not go three consecutive nights without having my heart in my chest during during this well, not this time of year, but play hockey playoffs. Yes, Ugh, it's a completely different beast. Uh, the 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 Kockin Yemi thing one argument and this comes up on a lot of hits that are called as flagrant or they're seen as borderline and and people say oh he turned oh he ducked oh he moved last second and you assess the amount of time that cocking had they're like what do you expect him to do i get it people don't always understand the amount of reaction time that um these professionals have and they'll always say what was i supposed to do but don't be fooled these are The best of the best in the world in terms of athleticism, reaction time, ability to control their body and their sticks, you will recognize a situation where they can't control what they're doing because A, it will happen in literally less than a frame that you see in slow-mo and B, it will look like a circus, Kotkinemi could have slowed down Kotkinemi could have turned Kotkinemi could have done something differently I always think of Brad Marchand's like extended elbows like he always leaves his elbows out for way too long and he's like it was a continuation of like a, a shot or a stride or some dumb shit like that and you're like some fans they buy into it maybe they haven't played maybe they they don't haven't watched for too long maybe they
0: I or just know, because they- it's their team and they're like yep I'm behind yeah. this guy all the time and it's, this isn't an
1: elitist thing or a gatekeeping thing. Like, I understand why people think it, but just know that the, the margins are so fine in professional sports and especially the NHL. Their reaction time is so much better than that. I, like, all three of us, I'm confident in saying could have avoided, could have slowed down on that hit. So I don't buy the argument that Kat was already committed and that hit was happening no matter what. No, <laughs> like, like Brad said, he launched himself upwards. On, also, on- Go ahead. Right, go ahead, I was going to say
2: on plays like that. I have I don't even care about reaction time. Any good hockey player can read the play. Kakhniami probably knew by the center ice dot what the hell Sanheim was about to do. Hockey players are smart. Like you, like oh, how do you know what a guy does? You you play the odds and you position yourself defensively. That if he does try something weird, that could be detrimental to you. You're not in a bad spot. So given that Sandheim was coming up the boards, all Kakhniami had to do there was skate at an angle and and pressure him into the boards and if Sandheim wanted to take the middle or just like, you know, hit a second gear going up the boards, you're in the right angle to handle either. And that sounds complicated. It's not. It is it is super simple to take those angles. Like all three of us idiots know how to take a proper angle with a guy coming up the boards through the neutral zone. It's one of the most basic defensive plays in hockey. And I don't play defense at all. So when I know what it's, it's, it's obvious, it's simple. So I don't even care about reaction time. cocky Nami should have had his plan in his head before he got within ten feet of Sandheim.
1: For what it's worth, if I was a defenseman, like that, I get finishing your checks in the playoffs, but if I was a defenseman playing on the left side, I shoot right handed. So, like the opposite play, if I was a defenseman playing on the left side and someone finished that hit on me, I would have turned around and given them a two hander right away. Like, that's just
0: not really a hit finish like that.
1: that that's said, fine. I was
0: also, an asshole on the ice. So, that's, that's it's 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 for the games for big boys. And if they don't, if they take exception to that, then they settle it like men. What what should have happened there was Cott should have come
2: up behind Sanheim and go, how many dumpins are we gonna take here, boys?
1: <laughs>
0: I don't get it, but okay.
1: <laughs> it's a reference to your uh the opening story it's that you golf buddy.
0: Oh. How many more dumpins are you guys gonna take? How about you? <laughs> and he was short too. Oh man. And had a Oh, I didn't even tell you the best part. Oh, here I we go. Mean, so later. They parked their carts to go on the green, and we're teeing off right near them. This guy had a giant lime green bong in the water bottle holder.
1: Oh, <laughs> hell, hell yeah, dude. Just give it a rip right after a sesh? I have a sesh you, right
0: after a sesh? Just when you think you've seen everything. <laughs> You know Evan's
1: riled up when he doesn't even make his, like, half-hearted attempt to censor swearing. <laughs> we try not to swear, but sometimes it comes out. And if you don't like it, I understand. And send a compl- all your complaints to evan.lobsinger at wingwheelpodcast.com.
0: If you haven't been in a, a situation where that, where you're just fired up, yeah. I feel for you. You haven't you haven't uh, lived. Uh, Mel
1: actually listened to the opening of last episode. Um, she listened to the last episode, and she usually kind of, like, skips forward. to part that she knows we talked about. Um but she listened to like the whole episode and she was like, so Evan just decided that he wasn't opening. I was like, yeah. She's like, what did he say? I was like, Evan, you opened today. And he just flat out said no. And she's like, oh my God. I was like, yeah, when we're not all in the room, it is absolute wild, wild west. Evan cannot be controlled. It is, nobody has, if anyone makes a suggestion, the other two are saying, nah, piss off. Arbitrarily, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it Nobody can be tamed right now. It's true. Quarantine has been uh, great and even more awful for us. Um, Elsewhere across the NHL, like you said, Brad, uh, Chicago were exposed as the absolute frauds that they were. um,
0: That's weird. I heard that they were actually going to replay that series. (laughs) I love that. That was actually just uh, their practice round.
1: Colorado just bullied um, uh, the Yotes. Uh I love the two series that are still alive in the West, Dallas Calgary and, and Vancouver St. Louis. I think those are extremely closely matched and I think that's a lot of fun. I just love reseeding in the playoffs, man. So here, I absolutely love it.
2: Here's the thing. I uh fra- from all everything I've gathered, those two series look great. They're also usually the 10 30 so I've barely got to watch them. This I was about to say
0: nightmare. They're they're holding true to the West Coast fashion and they're way past my bedtime. Yep. Yeah.
2: The the one I think Vancouver had like a six thirty game and I caught a good chunk of that and was
0: thoroughly entertained. I saw Tyler Mott's goal that was just nasty. Oh that, my! God. That was it. That was all I saw. Shades of Bobby Ryan. Yeah, just
2: beautiful.
1: Um. So we'll I think we'll have probably have another series or two done by the time that we get to um, next episode. Um. I, I think they'll all the be done by then, won't they? Will they?
2: By Sunday, it'll be pretty close to it. Yeah.
0: Isles are up to uh, nothing
1: yeah. on Washington at the beginning of the third.
0: It's all game Sunday would be game seven if necessary. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Um in
1: sad news, um Dale Howardchuk um unfortunately passed away. He uh, succumbed to cancer. He was young. He was like whoa, 57. fifty seven. Fifty seven. Uh, that's devastating. I think it was is it last year two years ago where he had to step away from the Barry Colts because he found out he had um, abdominal cancer or stomach cancer?
2: I don't know the timeline, but he got diagnosed, left the team, got a clean bill of health, and then it came back and and from what I remember I when it came was announced it came back it wasn't that long ago. like no. it must have progressed rapidly.
1: Usually when things come back unexpectedly, like cancer, it comes back with a vengeance. Fuck cancer, man. Um, Dale Howarchuk, for those of you who don't know, is a hockey legend. Um, Legitimately one of the most underrated players of his era just because of kind of who he was playing at the same time as. Like, There was a period of time where the only player that had more points than him was Wayne Gretzky. Uh, The the guy was no slouch and often is is looked past when you look at – Elite players of old. So, Dale um, will be missed. He made a huge impact in the hockey community, and you don't have to look far to find that. So, um, thoughts go out to um, his family and his friends. So, okay. Uh, not a ton of Red Wings news. They've uh, loaned a couple more players out to Europe. Uh, Gustav Lindstrom has gone to uh, the Swedish second league, I believe. Um, and uh, Matthias Brome, the, the newest Red Wings sign or. Signee has also been loaned out to Europe. So um, you're going to see more of that um, across the NHL, not just in Detroit as players, as these leagues are starting up. Um, just get them those reps. No one knows when the NHL is going to come back there. The rough plan right now is for December, January, but even that is very tentative, right? Like those are based on some pretty optimistic predictions and that's not with a plan of a bubble or anything. So maybe they run like a four city Canadian NHL bubble. I have no idea Why what they're going to do, but
2: uh, I was listening to which podcast was, it? uh, Ray, I figure Ray Ferraro, wherever I was listening to him. He was talking about how massive of a disadvantage it is. If next season does resume to the seven teams that have not played at all, Detroit, obviously being one of them. So yeah, the more reps these guys can get, the better. If low note, everybody have, Lar can go play in Denmark at this point like get them some ice get them some reps get them their hands and their feel back and and pray Eisman if you're listening uh my senior A team we could use a few bodies we'll we'll get them some ice
0: just get them out to milvy yeah
2: out to Wha- milvy out to the four-wheel drives lots of ice for you boys. Best well, we'll we can do shape.
0: is a family season ticket pass and as well complimentary tickets to the season opening fish fry. <laughs> we do Brad, a steak night, s- thank you.
1: I would sooner go to a season opening fish fry than a Milverton four wheel drives game. I'm not gonna lie to you. Buddy,
0: can we-, we go to the meet the players, Ryan? <laughs> 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 we're we're not that do you
1: have a meet the players do you have the meet the players night, Brad? Absolutely not.
0: Can uh, you <laughs> What about the 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 October or the Thanksgiving fall parade? Do you guys put a float in? I remember for New Hamburg, we used to, and we used to just get hammered and build the float. Wait, so, the Firebirds had a float? How do dude, I we not? We got absolutely shit faced and then put it
2: together, and it was so bad. <laughs> I my two two favorite things about that statement: one, I can't believe a junior C hockey team had. hey we're a legend we got three mcdonald's that's like even lower than what i play and they got a float and two i mean the junior c age bracket was 16 to 20 so (laughs) yeah i was i was 17
1: (laughs) brad what would you do if after uh one of your senior a games like evan and i didn't say anything to you beforehand and you looked up and much like when kids go to like ohl games uh Evan and I are just holding Milverton four wheel drives jerseys and going from stall to stall having the players
0: I'm just gonna have my hand out as they get off the ice to get the high five. <laughs> no, I, I can't ha- forget the jersey. I can't have you guys
2: there because my biggest fear in life is people I know watching me play hockey and realizing that I'm a fraud.
0: Dude, yeah, that was always mine, too. I never wanted anyone to come to my games. I
2: played at a couple arenas before I blew my shoulder at that. Like that got pretty full, but they were all strangers and it didn't bother me even a little bit. If you put 10 of my friends in the stands, I'm not going to be able to hit the net even in warm ups.
1: Absolutely. I will say, Brad, you didn't start pumping your own tires until we got on the same ice together and I saw you play. And I like, I'll I'll admit it. Like, I hate Brad. I, I wish nothing but ill on him personally. Like, I, the guy sucks straight up. This guy sucks, but Brad's good. Like, you took a snapshot from the blue line casually. And I was like, holy shit. Like, that was like, (laughs) that was a nice shot. Like, I didn't think you, I thought, I didn't think you could do that. Uh, and it was impressive. And I think I said it like, I'm not an asshole. Like, I'm, a, I'm I'm probably the most perfect person I know. For the people on YouTube, this is a joke. This is a bit. Please, <laughs> it's a joke. He means it. He means it. He really, really means it. And then only after that did we start getting the uh, the uh, highlight hero Brad Crisco stories in earnest before and during the podcast. I think Evan hates me for say ever saying anything nice to you.
2: Yeah, yes. it's, it was a mistake. Evan played in a beer league with me, at least. So, he, he knows I can... Uh, f- I can suck in my actual league, but I can light up a bunch of people who can't skate in Monday Night Beer League.
1: Yeah, that's how true. Evan described it. The first time he came back, I was like, "Hey, how's Brad's league?" Anyway. Oh, it's bad. Oh, <laughs> he actually made that. It's close.
0: like every beer league. There's the tryhards and the people who don't care, and I am definitely the don't care. The uh, the
2: skill levels are are all over the place too. We uh, so for reference, most cities will have A, B, C, and D beard leagues we believe it or not this was the a division and there were teams that would beat us 7-1 and then we would go up and beat other teams 7-1 there was that big of a disparity <laughs>
1: uh okay before we get to- <laughs> uh, this is a fun episode that's all right we can do these once in a while uh but before we get too much more into uh, brad's hockey career let's dive into an emerging prospects hockey career but i was with- just
2: pulling up my elite prospects page
1: yeah I, I could actually sense that you were uh and in order to avoid that we're going to do this uh episode's nhl 2020 nhl draft prospect profile which is none other than thomas Bordelo out of the us ntdp nt dp brad you start us off because you're better at that initialism than i am
2: okay the us ntdp um hey would you look at this a sub six foot 175 pound forward I can relate. Anyways, um, so Thomas Bortolo, Uh He was depending who you talk to, the offensive driver for the national team development program this year. Um, I don't. I don't want to say he's as good as Hughes Kane Goudreau, but he's that type of player. If you're trying to get a visual in your head, small smart extremely gifted with the puck great shot absolutely incapable of playing a physical game his skating's better than a lot of players we talk about in this range for what that's worth um a much better lateral skater much better on his edges than he is a north south skater but for the style of game he plays that that fits him perfectly um his shot gets a lot of credit i don't love it i don't hate it it's accurate but it's not very powerful um, but it, it's good. It's above average. Don't get me wrong. It's his, it's his hands and his brain that make him potentially a top six forward in the NHL. So again, with most guys who are projected late first round to middle second round, is the talent high enough to crack a top six spot in NHL or a top nine spot on a progressive team with Bortolo? I say definitely, maybe, um, Time will tell, but I, I'm a fan of his game. I like him. I like the the transferable skills he has to the NHL. I'm just not sure the raw tools are going to be able to keep up, but hey, I always bet on the smart players, so is a guy
1: I'll, I'll bet on. See, I'm surprised to say you're not sure if the raw tools will keep up because I think they're there. Um, they're, they're there, but they again he's
2: not going to play in a bottom 6 role he's not going to play a grinding role he's he's got to be in an offensive role to make the nhl so i hold players like him to a higher standard because you know you yeah. throw you throw in a a Jake Neighbors he's he's a monster he could play up and down the lineup no problem despite being a skilled player same with like a guy like Will Cooley Bordelow and 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 the Kuznodinovs of the world don't fit that bill
1: no and that's fair um for Bordello, for me, is like I, I think he is like you described, Brad, an extremely intelligent player. Um, the kind of guy. There's so much of that this draft. It almost seems like we're making it up, but genuinely, the kind of guy that can see a play developing, read it, and and make the right pass or make a pass that other people might not have been able to see. And that kind of offensive instinct, that offensive intelligence, and ability to execute. In my mind is what gives him those raw skills where it not only gives me some hope that he can make it, uh, but it also it allows me to be a little bit more forgiving, not top tier skating. But if you're going to have that amount of skill, all I really care for you to have is like the decent edge work and first stride and and, uh, powerful um, down low strides in the offensive zone. And and that's what he has, I think. So that's perfectly fine. Not like a, a phenomenal skater, but he's got enough there to make it so it's not a hindrance um his shot is accurate um i agree brad it's not i don't i wouldn't praise it but that does not that's not to say it can't get better right like adding strength will go a long way in terms of that shot so if he can kind of translate that upwards and keep his accuracy and be able to beat goalies one-on-one um at the professional level by adding strength to a shot bam you have a guy who's a, a a possible premier playmaker who has a second threat to his offensive game uh, useless physically and obviously won't be doing that in the bottom six. Um, kind of a freak at the faceoff dot. So you think the Red Wings are going to like him for that reason alone. Um, plays center for the USM TDP. Um, will he flip over the wing? I think he's, it's a, it's, it's a decent shot. Um,
0: he doesn't have the that. size and the top end speed to be a, a centerman in the NHL. I don't think,
2: but he flips his stick so both sides are his
0: strong side on faceoffs. Oh, and that's wow. that's cool as hell. Like you know, you know the
1: Red Wings of old will go wild for that.
0: Oh man, uh, they're gonna those faceoff stats that they show on the the broadcast. Wow, they're gonna love that.
1: <laughs> no, I, I think he's a guy who has a lot of potential, and he seems to me uh, he could be that quiet centerman who's drafted who uh he's not going to be the standout star of his draft class but he very quickly moves into being like a top 10 talent just because um he does break that top 6 and that kind of like um I've seen it described as cerebral like this kind of player with the way they just read the ice I think it was Wheeler who said that before um just a really good offensive instinct and a really good hockey IQ and and if he's able to translate that to the NHL level I don't know I wouldn't hate that pick uh if i'm a team in the late first round i don't think he makes it to detroit at 32 but if he was to pick at 32 i certainly wouldn't be upset by it
0: um just a footnote as well he's a commit to um the university of michigan yeah so i don't know if that really plays into it but he'd be closely watched as a prospect yeah, and if he's
1: going to the NCAA, he'll be there for a couple of years probably, unless he has like an absolute breakout season. So that's good. The Red Wings would also want that, be able to to kind of keep a close eye on his development.
2: Yeah, that's a huge bonus. Um, one one big drawback though for me with uh, Bordalo, he was good this year for the USN TDP, but when you look at his his raw totals uh, for for a guy that might be a first round pick in the NHL, they weren't spectacular. He was. Uh, Under a point-per-game player, Uh, not by much, literally by one point. But but still, you look at when Matthews and Kane and all these guys came through, they were like two points a game. So not that you expect Bortolo to hold that pace. But if you're expecting him to be like a a top-line scorer, he has a lot of progressing to do to get there. But hey, like I said, second-liner second power play unit offensive contributor playmaker put him with a high-end goal score i I could still see it working like i'm not i'm not down on him because of that
0: seems like he's got some utility to him that could be um, intriguing for some teams
1: he would definitely be subject to the whatever team that drafts him development system right like he's not going to shatter through that like nobody's saying he's a Kane matthews type um He needs molding and he has the tools there and it's just about shaping them. And that's the thing. Like we talk about these players and their potential and if they reach their ceiling, that's not all on them. It's on the teams that that pick and develop them. And sometimes it's not even about whether they have a good or bad development system. It's about whether it's a good fit. Or it's the right kind of development system for them or just the timing or the weather that day. Like it's all kind of a crapshoot. So yeah, he, he strikes me as a, the kind of guy that needs work, who needs coaching, who needs, uh, continued development. But so is that's the case for most NHL draft picks. We fixate on the little friend years and the, the byfields and the, the top end picks. But the reality is the real work, the real meat of the draft is done after the first round. Like those are the guys where you have to find the gems and, that bit of clay that you know you can mold into something beautiful, but you just have to have the right hands to do it and it has to be the right piece of clay. It's a stupid, stupid metaphor, but what's new with me? Anyways, do you guys think that he he falls to 32? And if so, would you be happy with him as the Red Wings pick? Um,
2: Again, all depends who's available. I, I, I would be totally comfortable picking him at 32. I don't think it's unreasonable the Red Wings get him at 46. I no, think I don't think so I wouldn't bet on it, but I don't think it's crazy. Like Just looking here, he is 51 on McKenzie's list.
1: Ah, 51. Mm-hmm.
2: But he's kind of all over the place. One list has him at 20. And actually, the looking at elite prospects and the six rankings they have here, McKenzie's is actually the lowest, so
1: for whatever that's worth.
0: He looks a lot like Martin St. Louis, so you know Steve Eisman's not picking him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> poor steve man he took so much heat for that decision and i think it was the right co- wow it was <laughs> they won the really gold, right
0: yeah i mean it's canada right there's yeah. always hot picks that people don't like
1: that was a year where it was the sweden final right like they didn't really have a challenge besides that freaking latvian goalie that almost gave us a heart attack yes ah uh, good old Christers Gulevskis.
0: wonder what uh, that guy's up to well, I'm on really, we prospects. Can, if you can figure out how to spell his name, I will be impressed.
1: <laughs> we can just all pretend that he's yet another um, Columbus goaltender.
2: Yeah, it's just an anagram of Elvis Lickens. They only have one goalie. They've been fooling everybody to this one. And uh, Gudlevskis Gud is playing for the Fishtown Penguins in the DEL and not putting up particularly good stats. Hold on. The city in Germany is called Fishtown? says fishtown penguins and it's spelled exactly fishtown except there's just an a c thrown in there
1: That's Fish fishtown penguins is a hysterical name because like your your city is named as the food that your mascot eats imagine being like the <laughs> burger town fat guys <laughs> if we start a hockey team if we ever own a hockey team we're immediately renaming them to the burger town fat guys <laughs> Uh, completely unrelated, though, maybe not. Uh, I oft, I, I'm i having a beer right now during the podcast. It's the off season, who cares? Um, and I often have to burp, and I usually mute myself while I burp. And I'm thinking like one of these days I'm going to forget, or one of these days I'm going to forget whether I'm muted or unmuted, and I'm just going to absolutely let one rip on this podcast. Yep, that's
2: the great secret of podcasts. No, the listeners never know when any of us uh, release bodily
1: functions yeah, well, I sometimes edit it into your guys's tracks when I'm uh, doing the post because I know you don't go back and listen. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, actually, when I post these podcasts, I just like hobbled together all of our pre-show conversations. And it's just 90 minutes of Evan talking about golf, believe it or not. All of our success is owed to Evan.
0: Yes, it's
1: true. Uh, anyhow, uh, that's Thomas Bordello. Until next episode, Uh, anything else before we wrap up and head to uh, overtime, guys?
0: I don't think we mentioned it, but I think Matthew Kachuk is not playing tonight. So that is a big loss for Calgary. How come? Uh, He's hurt. He got uh, sandwiched the other night.
1: Yes. Yes, like a few games, I thought.
0: Yeah, but I think he was supposed to be a game time decision tonight, Mm -hmm. but it looks like he's not going. So big loss for Calgary.
1: Oh man, Brad, you know, I you, you commented on this last episode and so I don't want to get too much into it, but um, more news came out, came out about Tuka Rask, which is like stupid that it even has to, but like he left the bubble and, you know, sat sitting at these playoffs because his daughter had a medical emergency and wanted to go be with her and that was like the last straw. I went into the comments on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big mistake. I don't
2: oh. even know what was there, but I know what was there. Holy shit. Which platform? Twitter.
1: Oh, yeah. Didn't oh, even I don't, It would be awful either way. I don't look at Facebook comments. I don't value my sanity. Like, I really don't. But I, I even I won't look at Facebook comments. Yeah, I read the I, news
0: every morning. That's how much I don't value my sanity. Yeah, that is a bad decision. But yeah. <laughs> I f- find it ridiculous that people need to justify why someone needs to leave for a personal emergency. Freck,
1: man. Like, imagine... Eh, anyway... <laughs> Anyways, let's get into overtime, uh which uh for those of you who don't know is our segment at the end of every episode of the Windwheel podcast where we take questions and comments uh from fans and listeners um across The uh, the hockey world uh, across different platforms. Uh, we have two different kinds of episodes. We have weekend episodes, which typically happen on Sunday nights and midweek episodes, so to speak, which happen on either Wednesday or Thursday nights. Uh, midweek episodes, the overtime segment is Patreon exclusive. So we're going to head over to Patreon, uh, where we say thank you to all of our supporters for allowing this show to go on. You guys are the reason this show, uh, happens. Someone asked, asked me recently, they're like, Hey, uh, what happened to all those sponsors you guys were getting? I was like, hey, uh, in the pandemic, nobody's spending money to uh, sponsor a hockey podcast.
2: Hey, that's we can. Be- we got a lot of swag from Upper Deck to give away over the next couple months. So yeah, that's good for you, to upper deck. That's
1: not nothing. Good for you. And they like it's cool stuff. More to come on that. Uh, anyways, Patreon. The first comment comes to us from the Lavar Ball Stand Club. He says, So I just looked into the NBA lottery. Wow, I would be kind of pissed the Pistons have anywhere from first to ninth pick. Uh it's seventh. Like the, uh, like the wings are awful, but could you imagine that? They're the fifth seed, but four outside teams can pick in the top four. Such bullshit. Why does everyone hate the city? I have a slight feeling the Pistons will pick first in a weaker draft. Pick Mello, the man who plays no defense and Detroit will implode. Well uh thankfully i suppose that's not going to be the case on a positive note caps won a game they also played tonight. let this be the year that we <laughs> fist the islanders 2020 has been one one huge furk fest so we can do it positive vibes and go caps update the Pissensfeld to seventh not as not bad it's a bad draft uh it's a bad draft so as it could be uh hearing more lavar would be legendary though i'm not sure i want more of the ball family in my life
0: and honestly. i have less is that an option
1: yeah uh josh terrell says how epic would it be if an nhl team actually pulled in evan and tried to draft a player who's already been taken i love that everyone just takes anton lindell i'm hoping that when um jeff gorton
2: walks up to the mic to select first overall this year he accidentally says alex Laferriere,
1: who's like a third round projection the best absolute best Uh, Garrett TV says, Hockey Amigos, what's your all-time favorite non-Wings playoff series? For the NHL, mine might be the Cup Finals in 94 between Vancouver and the Rangers. I was already watching uh, Wings hockey for a few years by then, uh, but that was the first series where the scale of it really made sense to me. Seven game cup final, the Rangers ending a 54 year drought, Messier game winning goal, yada yada. A crazy game seven with the Canucks down one and hitting the post twice in a minute with less than five to play, and then a bunch of weird clock stuff that made the end of the game take forever. So much anticipation, plus after that was when the whole Trady Ashton stuff started rumbling and then eventually was linked to in the following year after we lost to the Devils. was a great setup for Detroit New Jersey 95 final non-hockey the 06 Tigers athletics and 07 Golden State Dallas first ever NBA uh, 818 over one upset we're both cool side note I'm kind of rooting for the Colorado McKinnons from here on out they're legit in a blast to watch side note two: man we are a ways away from competing roll four lines boys let's go Red Wings
2: oh man yes. So many series jumped to mind immediately. So a couple from when I can remember just starting to watch hockey. Uh, Rangers Devils 94 in the conference finals was a trip. Uh, Oilers stars that huge upset in 97. And then the Oilers did it again the next year to Colorado. Um, the Devils Stars final in 2000 was really fun. Uh, I know I'm forgetting a few here, but there was... There were some absolute dandies in the '90s, and I'm forgetting a ton of them. Uh, just from an, not that I had any vested interest in any of these, and I actually hated them. But the 2004 and 2010 Cup Finals were really fun, uh, even though I was
1: pissed who won both of those. But hey, whatever. A good series is a good series. Um, Vancouver when they finally beat the Blackhawks, that was a fun series
2: to watch. Yeah, yeah, because they almost blew a three nothing lead on that one.
1: Yeah, that w- oh, that's right. That's what it was. That they was an were, insane series. That whole series was
2: nuts cuz Vancouver was up 3-0, Chicago came back to tie the series um 3-3, then Vancouver went up in game 7 and then Jonathan Taze tied it late short-handed in the third of game 7, so like Vancouver was ready to melt down before Burroughs popped it in overtime. That was a
1: really good one. Yeah, that was like whether or not you were a fan of either team, like, you just got emotional watching that. Yeah, no, that was cool. Pick That was in Vancouver's heyday. Yeah. Pick
2: any Montreal-Boston series from the last 20 years. Uh, 2004, 2011, 2012, I think. Always, always a good time.
1: It was 4-1. Always stands out. Yep. <laughs> uh, Cleveland, when they uh, upset the Golden State Warriors. Love that one. Uh, any of the Pistons championships. I'm not I'd going to say for non-hockey. This will take too long. Uh, Evan Beckner says at what point does the NHL consider publishing the playoff edition of the rulebook it's obvious the games aren't being called anywhere remotely close to the regular season I know we say this every year but so far the first round has featured the most mind-boggling and dangerous calls and non-calls I've ever seen Quinn Hughes cross-checked and sucker-punched repeatedly by Perron no call Brendan Gallagher butt-ended in the jaw while on his knees and gets up spitting blood no call caught Kinyemi with a textbook two-minute boarding gets five in a game no consistency no accountability don't even get me started on gold challenges. PS never take a pitch on 3-0. Never. I agree on that last point. We do disagree on the Kot Kinyami thing, but hey, like I said, there is definitely an argument to be had. Uh Bert Crew, who, yeah, first time commenter and new patron, Bert, welcome and thank you for supporting the Wingwheel podcast. Uh, they say, hey, gents, first time commenter with all the Drysdale talk last episode, he's ranked as the top defender in this draft. But where would you have him ranked among the top defensemen of next year's draft? As much as it pains me, the Red Wings will probably be picking among the top of the draft next year as well and have a shot at an elite defensive prospect. You don't go into a season expecting to lose, but Stevie knows where this team is competitively. Wouldn't we be better served taking the elite forward this year, knowing what's at the top next year, or is Drysdale that far ahead of the D in the 21 draft? Thanks, guys. No, I think you got it perfectly.
2: Yep, I agree fully. I think, again, we've got a full year for things to change. So hopefully everybody takes it with a grain of salt and doesn't sit here and say, Brad said, Brand Clark's better than Jamie Drysdale a year from now. And Brand Clark just completely flames out. But I would have Drysdale three or four um, uh, ranked in the next draft. I really like Brand Clark and Carson Lambos. And I think Drysdale and Owen Power will be interesting because they're such... Different players that that could be a fun argument if they were
1: in the same draft. Um, Joe Delius says, "Hey guys, with the cap being frozen and with ownership not taking uh, making as much money because of the pause, do you think owners will tell teams to not spend to the cap and try to lose salary? Uh, yeah, that's definitely going to happen. And so we oh, see yeah. that eighty. I'm, we mentioned it before, but the eighty-one and a half million dollar cap is going to be lower than that for a lot of teams, just internally." What about Detroit? Do you think the Illiches will allow Stevie to take advantage with this, or with the low attendance this year and the possibility of not having fans in the stands for next year, make it tighter for Stevie? Just want to hear your thoughts on how you guys think uh, how you guys think things will sh- uh, go down in the fall. Thanks.
2: It's going to be interesting to see how Stevie can pitch what taking on bad contracts as an investment. Because you want to make money, you have to win. If you have to win, you got to make moves that are best for the team. But the moves that are best for the team right now are going to literally be throwing money away. So uh, glad I'm not the one that has to be in those negotiations.
0: Scared money don't make money.
1: <laughs> uh, Evan, Evan's investing notes: a new episode of the podcast. Um, no, definitely. I, I think there's. I don't want to pretend it and say the Illiches are infallible in terms of money. I think they have it. I'm not sure you don't bring in a guy like Stevie who wants to execute his plan and then pass up on literally the best opportunity he has to improve this team beyond what he can do just by re- drafting regularly. And that includes the draft lottery. He is more likely to improve this team by taking advantage of the cap situation that Detroit has than he does of winning the draft lottery. And I mean that, uh, nods says, Hey guys, let's say Oilers let Athens. See you walk. What do you offer him? If you're Stevie, Y? Uh,
2: Pretty similar to his last contract with Detroit. couple years around that three to four million dollar mark. nothing long term yeah, if he wants a one year like that's fine. I don't care. Yeah, I don't see him wanting to come back though he was pretty angry when he left.
1: yeah. R.C. Tendy says Cole Perfetti was interviewed on TSN about the rumors of him getting selected by Detroit or Ottawa. He had a ton of good things to say about us and seemed like he could go on talking about Detroit for a while. Didn't have a whole lot to say about Ottawa, though. Been watching his highlights and he's really growing on me.
2: Yeah, there's not a lot to say about Ottawa, honestly.
1: Hey, Ottawa is a great city. Uh, but no, genuinely. So, yeah, um, if only the senators played in it. <laughs> uh no he he's gonna have a lot of links to detroit because of obviously the ownership group there um and playing in saginaw so close to the red wings of course he's he's for sure had a ton of meetings and contact with them um i think that's probably perfect perfetti knows that's his best possible chance of getting picked as high as possible is the red wings at number four so um he's gonna want that no matter what and he probably has some kind of um you know, tendency to Detroit, so just playing near there. So yeah, of course that's going to be the case. And as much as you know, you might not want to believe it because our preferences might lay elsewhere. Where there's smoke, there's fire, usually. So you you have to think that the Red Wings are hot to Trout and Perfetti. So that's of course going to be the case. And Ottawa picking Perfetti means Byfield or Stutzler are falling, which I uh, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. Third man in says, hey, boys, could you give us a quick primer on what you look for when watching prospect videos? I mostly watch videos on YouTube, which I know are just highlights. Still, I find myself higher on Drysdale than you all seem. I get that with Raymond. I'm watching a kid playing in a men's league, but Drysdale pops more for me than Perfetti and Rossi falls third. I'm assuming my eye isn't as trained as yours. What are you looking for? Um, For me, it's it's hard to say. the The way they read the
2: play is always the big thing for me, which is the Dumb way of saying, hockey IQ, are they making the right plays at the right time? Because how many high-skilled players have we seen come into the NHL and flame out? And you go, okay, they're ridiculously good skater, ridiculously good hands, great shot. Why are they not better? Well, if you don't make the right plays, it doesn't matter. Like Jonathan Duran, for example, a guy who everybody thought for sure, surefire battling for the Art Ross every year. Not even close. Um, so that, that's first and foremost. And then when when you realize if they're making the night the right play, do they have the skill to pull off the plays they see? When you see someone truly special like a Lafreniere is, they're seeing stuff on the ice in real time that you're not even picking out on the TV. It's like, okay, well, there's his outlets, there's his options, here's what he could do, and then they find a seam or a lane that you you didn't even imagine. They hit it, they make it happen. So it, it's just is stuff, little stuff like that that makes the biggest difference at a game that's played at breakneck speed. So... it's an overly simplistic answer because i stand by the fact that just about any casual hockey fan can watch uh prospects play and go oh that guy's got a really good shot oh that guy's got really good hands oh that guy's a really good skater it's not hard to pick out that stuff it's coupled with how they use it
1: yeah what i i I look for mostly and first of all i sympathize with you in that like you know you're only watching highlights on youtube and, and don't get down on yourself for that because it's the stuff's not really made available for the public. You really have to dig to find a good resource and they tend to get taken down and get moved. And I you, you make do with what you have. In addition to what Brad said, I really lean on setting a baseline of fundamentals, like he kind of alluded to, how are they at skating? How are they at with their offensive IQ? How are they with defensive responsibility? What's their speed? Like what's their uh, edge work? Like, um, do they get pushed off the puck very easily? All that kind of stuff really matters. Um, and you also want to compare how they play against their um, peers. So, you know, if a guy's playing in the OHL and he's absolutely shining against everyone he's playing with, that matters. But then you also have to factor in your previous knowledge about the league. The OHL, and th- this is a question that came up on Twitter, and I didn't have a chance to answer, answer it. So if you listen, I'm sorry. Um, but someone said, like, you know, Marco Rossi absolutely tore up the OHL. But Lucas Raymond obviously had a very limited output, understanding his you know limited playtime. But he had a limited output output in the shl is the shl really that much better yeah the shl is a professional men's league one of the best leagues in the world that's no it's not a knock on the ohl but the ohl is never meant to be a professional league it's a junior league and so you have to factor that knowledge in as well so there's no perfect system to it a lot of it is <laughs> intuition a lot of it is guesswork but a lot of it is just you know figuring out the fundamentals and going from there like for reference to with that
2: ohl versus shl Go pick any random OHL team from, let's say, five, six, seven years ago and go through the roster one by one and, and play a where are they now game. A shockingly low amount of players amount to playing in serious professional men's hockey that soon, like at all after the OHL. Most of them end up going through uh, university, playing university hockey, and then that's it. So not that that's a bad thing that obviously they're great hockey players to get there. But it puts into perspective just how much higher a league like the SHL is versus the OHL where half of that team or three quarters of that team, once they're of age, cannot make a league like the SHL.
1: Uh, Jake Nagy says, I live in Portland, Oregon, and I'm a massive uh, Damian Lillard fan on the season. Logo Lillard is shooting 69%. Nice. Nice on attempts from 35 to 40 feet out, geez, while the rest of the league is shooting 16% from that distance. So my question for you is, who is an NHL player that obliterates everyone else in the league in a specific statistical category? Alex Ovechkin's
2: one-timer from the the OV spot. It's a lot of players score from there. He's the only one who consistently beat goalies from there cleanly with no screen, no deflection.
0: Except for uh, Simeon Varlamov tonight. They just lost 4 nothing. Oh, it's over. It, it done.
1: Rip OV. The Islanders beat the um, Capitals four games to one. Did uh, I really
2: score? I need to know if I'm getting a free donut from Tim Hortons tomorrow or not. I didn't
1: see him score. Crap. It reminds me of when Pavel Datsuk would have, like, by far and gone the most takeaways in the league. Joe uh, Thornton in his prime would have, like... F- an insane amount of assists like enough assists to win the art ross most no, it's years not
2: not a stat like a skill like Ovi's one timer is in a world of its own connor mcdavid's skating is in a world of its own like
1: um michael barry says hey hope all is well jim rutherford came out and said he fully supports jack johnson what are some red wings players that holland love that you just didn't understand? Jonathan Erickson, 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 Erickson. Justin
2: just an applicator. Just gestures broadly at everybody over the age of thirty on the Red Wings currently.
0: First, I was like, "Who's gestures broadly?" <laughs> oh, Yesterday, well, your
2: contract. Oh yeah, he, yes. Ken Holland yeah, just he paid him thirty-two million dollars
1: uh also hoping detroit trades for the lungfuss contract to be bought out or not depending on his preference so that new york can go after tory krug or taylor hall after jake allen's perform jake allen's performance for the blues
0: i absolutely hope not i i hope lungquist career doesn't end in detroit everyone says he deserves to win a cup well i think he's now in the spot where he can do that he's going to edmonton oh god
1: Chris Smith says, I'm just trying to get more into Twitter and it's probably the worst idea I've had during the pandemic. Yeah, we could have told you that. Uh, The good Bob McKenzie and the fake Danny Heatley account, the bad almost everything else. It feels like it's just white hot takes, brands trying to be relatable to young people and Boston sports fans fitting the stereotype so well that I can't tell if it's parody or not. Yeah, you have the gist of Twitter. Oh,
2: man. Brands trying so hard to
1: appeal to young kids. I feel like attacked. Yeah. Yeah uh it gave me a good idea for a question though what's your all-time favorite bad take you've seen from an idiot on the internet for me it's probably a reddit post about how vegas getting an nhl team before thunder bay burnaby or the prospering and rapidly growing municipality of wood buffalo as proof that batman t- Batman hates canada that had to it be is- a parody there's no way i love i still love the wood buffalo beam i'm stealing evan's answer it's the thing he referenced before when that black when the blackhawks got beat by the predators i believe it was And that Reddit poster, that Reddit user posted that thing saying the series, it was a fluke and the NHL should replay the series because there's no way that result would happen again. I love that.
2: Oh, my God. The worst take on Twitter. Mike, I have thousands of candidates. Uh, 500 of them are my own tweets. Your favorite, though. Uh, But they make me angry, so it doesn't really work, does it? Does it? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that guy, okay, I don't remember who it was, but he would tweet. So if any of the big, so I'm generalizing this and I I have absolutely no patience to actually look for it, but there was this guy. Anytime Mackenzie, Dreger, Friedman, anybody, Big Talking Head posted anything good about Vegas during their run to the cup finals in their expansion year. This guy came in a flaming in the comments saying, this was rigged. This was BS. This was the the rules were entirely unfair. How dare they get the seventh or the 11th best player on every team? This was completely stacked in their favor. No wonder this happened, which is an awful take. But what makes it my favorite is he was everywhere.
0: Was it Steve Simmons? (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh my god the steve Sim- steve simmons hot dog story has to be up there as one of the best
0: worst oh, takes of all time that's amazing and the
2: fact someone that Kessel said, put
1: two hot dogs in the cup
2: makes it all that much
1: better someone said something in defense of steve simmons like he asked the tough questions i'm like look i'm not gonna get into the merits of journalism i'm not a journalist i don't have to do the job that these guys do i'm not gonna pretend to be able to comment on that in an absolute form but if you put out an obviously bullshit article or a take, or whatever he did, about Phil Kessel eating too many hot dogs. You deserve literally all the ridicule you get. And I hate when reporters don't report on tough things to maintain access in the room. I think that's bullshit, and I think that's how we escape real stories, sports or otherwise. Um, But you have to have some semblance of self-preservation. Like Everything that happened when he reported that Matthews contracted COVID-19, Which obviously was uh, a leak and you know some people said well that's his responsibility as a reporter and other people said no like there was not necessary to release a player blah blah blah. Matthews didn't take well to it. The team didn't take well to it. And I guarantee you they would have been way more forgiving if Steve Simmons wasn't the same doorknob opposed to the hot dog story. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways um joseph fornia says hey there fellas so glad i didn't put that money down on the canes uh they're a completely different team without andre svechnikov one color analyst said that he has uh that host of quality where he can handle any pass no matter how bad it's lobbed at him brad i think you've talked about that with him before um i believe it was after watching the canes passing game without him um although it's not as bad as columbus trying to pass woof can you guys think of possible quick fixes to make either team better or do their problems lie with deeper uh do their problems lie deeper and more complex there i'll say from- this first both of them lost to excellent teams
2: yes and both uh, well t- uh carolina especially missing svechnikov and pesci hurts
1: I, I think Carolina
2: is a lot closer and their problems are a lot more superficial than Columbus Columbus has a plain old lack of high-end talent I mean it can't be an, I, I know the jokes running around about Columbus went further than Panarin Bobrovsky and Duchesne this year but Columbus desperately needs a guy like Panarin they can't score their way out of problems which unfortunately no matter how tight you are defensively you need to score yourself out of problems every once in a while um, and they can't, and their pipeline isn't strong uh, on offense. Th- this is a team that's going to struggle goal- to score goals for a mm-hmm. long, long time. I think Carolina just put Pesci in there and Svechnikov in there, and they gave Boston a much tougher time. And let's not forget, Boston was the President's Trophy winner this year, so it's not like with the with the round robin reseeding bullshit. Boston is the fourth seed. They shouldn't. They shouldn't be the fourth seed. That was stupid, but. I think Carolina next year, if they come in full health and um, get a bit more stability in net, I, I think we're talking about a potential cup contender there. I, I really like what they've done. They just they don't need to get superstars to be great. They already have a few.
1: Sarah, um, Siv wrote a great article. And the headline in the first couple paragraphs were excellent, I thought, which is that Carolina has now enjoyed its honeymoon period of like being the un- improbable underdog and like the fun story and like those bunch of jerks and the storm surge and all that. But now they're in their period of expectation and the fans see the team they've built and they expect success and they have to continue to build on that. And I think that's absolutely true. And I think they will continue to do that. You got know, a little bit of a funny ownership situation. But besides that, like Rod Brendamore is no joke and... and they're going to continue to try and build a great team there. It um, goes on to say week down the middle, but trying to go deep for your generational franchise goalie, put your sentiment in a stay fresh cheese bag and let them literally do nothing until you sneak into the playoffs. Stay fresh cheese bags, the official cheese bag of Suzuki Dino and Kat Kinyemi, Kinyemi, Kat Kinyemi, Ken, Ken, That's how, that's how I said his name until like probably a year after he was drafted. It was really difficult. Um, Okay. That is this episode of the winged wheel podcast. We will be back on Sunday. We will have more to talk about. Uh, Evan will inevitably have uh, gone to prison and needed us to bail him out uh, for a golf related altercation. But until then, we'd like to thank everyone for listening. All of you who are leaving us five-star reviews on iTunes literally cannot tell you how much that means for the show. It helps us grow and expand more than anything else that we can do. So uh, thank you all. So, 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 so much for that. All of our Patreon supporters, uh You guys are the uh heartbeat behind the show and our name level sponsors, the septic tank of that bitch, Carol Baskins, Arjun Shaker, Greech, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, LeVar Ball Stand Club, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kaylin Wood, Hassam alkasem, Charlie Elkins, Hanali, Obeer Juan Kenobi. Trevor Pevavar, Alex Ott, Ashley Van Conant, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Quaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all. Until
0: Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter, at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.